Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Welcome. I'm excited to introduce a really special guest to us today. Um, some of you may remember a couple months ago, Pastor Mike Bro came and he shared with our church. And Pastor Mike has been a long distance friend and mentor uh, to me for quite some time. And anytime a Bible teacher comes, man, we're always looking for like almost a divine connection between a Bible teacher and our church. And we sense that. In fact, Pastor Mike's message from a couple months ago ended up being one of the most downloaded, shared messages of the entire year. And so at that time, Pastor Steve and I began a conversation with Pastor Mike about what it might look like for him to become a part of our Lake Point family. So fast forward a few months and we have not just a special welcome, but a really special announcement. And what's happening is today you are welcoming Pastor Mike back to the stage, but you are also welcoming a man who has agreed to starting next January, coming on as one of our official Lake Point teaching pastors. And so Lake Point Church, please put your hands together and help me welcome to the stage, the bald, the beautiful, future teaching pastor of Lake Point, Mike Bro. Come on, everybody. What's up, everybody? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the beautiful part, but the bald part is definitely, definitely right. Hey, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm so thrilled to get to be a tiny, tiny part of the future of, uh, of Lake Point, and uh, I admire Steve and Josh so much, and their humility, the way they lead and the way they live their life is so attractive, and I was very attracted to that, and I, li- I live in Ventura, California, uh, from Lexington, Kentucky originally. Our kids started a church in Ventura, so we moved out there, and I teach at a bunch of different churches, and was able to figure out a way that I could be a part of the teaching team uh, here at Lake Point. I'll just show up enough next year for you to be sick of me, but uh, I, I'm, I'm really thrilled about being a tiny part of the, of the, of the future of, of this church. So thanks for uh, in, inviting me into that process. And I thought since we're gonna hang out a little bit next year, uh, I might tell you a little bit of my story and how Jesus Christ has changed my life. And along the way, maybe encourage you and challenge you in, in some ways today. Before I get there, I wanna ask you real quick, anybody, anybody a movie buff? like me, you just love movies. Real quick, uh, turn to somebody next to you, off the top of your head, your top three movies of all time. You got 30 seconds, ready, go. Top three. Okay, let me, let me give you uh, uh, my, my top five, and I know you don't care, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. Um, and your, your, your top five are probably not my top five, and what I'm gonna give you, you're probably going, I don't like that movie at all. And, but, but I'm gonna give you my top five uh, movies of all time, and I just gotta be honest before I give them to you, uh, just a disclaimer, I had a hard time uh, keeping Dumb and Dumber and Tommy Boy off this list. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. And Braveheart and, and a few others as well. But, uh, but number five for me is a, it's a movie with this great intrigue and great character development, uh, uh, rescue attempts, 
uh, suspense, it's touching. Of course, I'm talking about the movie uh, Toy Story 3. It's my fifth favorite movie of all time. You got the strawberry bear named Lotso. Welcome to Sunnyside, folks. It's just a, it's just a great, just a great movie. I love that movie. Number four for me probably didn't make your list, but every time you, when I'm surfing channels and I see it on, I gotta watch a little bit of it. And I know exactly what's gonna happen. You've got movies like that. You just gotta watch a little bit of it. It's a movie starring Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford called The Fugitive. Uh, where this guy is accused of killing his wife, but he really didn't kill his wife, and he's searching for a one-armed guy that did, and there's train wrecks and bus crashes, and he does a swan dive off a dam. It's just, it's just an awesome movie. Uh, number three for me, probably didn't make your list. It's just quirky, it's goofy, but I love it. It's a movie called The Princess Bride. You ever seen this movie? Oh, some of you like that movie? Yeah, it's just a funny, funny movie. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die. It's just, just a great movie. Number two for me, I guarantee you did not make your list, but for me, it's one of my all-time favorites. It's a movie that stars Bill Murray as this neurotic guy who drives this psychiatrist crazy. It's called What About Bob? It's just a funny movie to me. And uh, in our family, we, we wrestle with some mental health issues, and sometimes you just have to choose joy and just you know work your way through it. And and Bob is this guy. He's in. A, well, there's a scene where he's in a mental a mental ward, and he's got all the doctors gathered around, cracking him up. They think he's the funniest guy ever, and he's a really funny guy. And he gives this great line. He goes, "Roses are red, violets are blue. I'm schizophrenic, and so am I." It's just a great. It's a great line. It's just a funny line. Funny movie. I love that movie. But my number one movie, I walked out of this movie, it actually won an Oscar for Best Picture. I walked out of this movie, I remember walking out going, what was that? That was one of the best put together, weird, poignant, touching, beautifully photographed, well acted, great soundtrack. That was, that was incredible. And I learned three really profound things. The first thing I learned was, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. I learned that stupid is as stupid does. Stupid has nothing to do with your IQ, but everything to do with your decision-making ability and your promise-keeping ability. And, and I learned a freeing thing as a, like a pastor, teacher, communicator guy, because I used to work really, really hard on the conclusion to my messages. I walked out of the movie and thought, you know, when I'm done, I can just say, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> just be done, it's like freedom, it was awesome. But that movie, of course, is Forrest Gump. It's about, about this simple guy that just tried to keep his promises and tried to do the right thing. And, and uh, it's, just, it's just one of, those, one of those touching movies to me and my favorite movie of all time. And there's a scene at the end that has marked me for a long time. He's standing at the grave of his wife, Jenny, who passed away at an early age because she made a lot of bad decisions in her life. And he gets all teary-eyed, and, and he asks a question. He goes, I don't know whether it was Mama or Lieutenant Dan who was right. Do we just kind of show up accidental-like and float around like a feather on a breeze, or do we have a destiny? And when I heard him ask that question, I thought, that's the question every single person who ever walks this planet has to come to grips with. I mean, do we just kind of show up accidental-like and then float around accidental-like like a feather on a breeze, or do we have a destiny? And, and I look around our culture, and I, and I feel like so many people, including myself at one time, have kind of fallen for option number one. Because we're, we're taught at a very early age now that we came from nothing, and we're going to nothing. 
So basically, everything in between kind of is all kind of accidental-like. And there's, if that's true, then there's no destiny. If there's no destiny, there's no real purpose. If there's no real purpose in life, there's no real absolute truth. If there's no absolute truth, there's no right, there's no wrong. You just kind of make it up as you go along. And I get it. I mean, if you just, if you just show up accidental like, like a feather on a breeze, that's, that's the way life is. In fact, it's, it's all kind of a, well, let me give you the word that sociologists have used to describe our culture for the past two decades. The word is whatever, whatever. And I get that. Because I used to be that whatever kind of guy. Just whatever, whatever's right for you, whatever's wrong for you, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to do. So I kind of, whatever. I mean, if, if, it, if there is no destiny, then it all kind of is a big whatever. But I started getting challenged by some words from God, like uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says, I, listen, I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you to give you a hope and a future. When I heard that, I thought, that doesn't sound like a whatever kind of existence to me. It sounds like we have a God who, who, who made us and he made us for him. And he's got, a, he's got a plan for our life. There is a destiny. And I would read scriptures like uh, Ephesians 1.4, where it says, long before he even laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by, by, by his love. And I thought that doesn't sound like a float around accidental like kind of life. It sounds like we, we have a God who had us in mind to say, I want to do great things in you and through you. Then I, then I saw like Philippians 1, 6, where it says, I'm, I'm confident of this, that the God who began that good work on the inside of you is going to carry it on to completion until the day Jesus Christ comes back. And it sounded like to me, that that's not a whatever kind of existence. It sounds like we have a God, the God of the universe wants to move inside of us and do something cool on the inside of us. He's going to keep on doing it. Catch this, not until the day you die, but until the day Jesus Christ comes back. That's so cool to me because God will keep on using our lives long after we're dead and gone. And that didn't sound like a whatever to me. And then in Ephesians 2.10, where it says, for we are God's what? masterpiece. He created us to do the good things he planned for us long ago and decided to make us new in Christ Jesus along, along the way. And that didn't sound like an accidental kind of life. It sounded like God had definite plans for my life, that there was a destiny. And I, and I, I, I can tell you, I, at the time, when I was 17 years old, 16 years old, I was such a whatever kind of guy. I mean, I had... Let's just put it this way. I had one foot in the light and one foot in the darkness. And I could be whoever I needed to be with whatever crowd I was running with. And I grew up in church, but I didn't know God. I, had, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I just went to church. And I grew up in a part of the country in Kentucky where people just went to church. So church to me and God was like a spoke on the wheel of my life. I had sports. I had school. I had friends. I had work. I had God. I didn't know that Jesus Christ wanted to be the hub of my life. And that everything in my life would revolve around that unfailing love relationship he wanted with me. So as a result, I just played the game. I'd show up at church on a Sunday and be a totally different guy throughout the week. And I gotta tell you guys something, it's hard living like that. I mean, I, mean, I was living two different lives trying to fake everybody out. And you, you can't remember who you lied to, which group you were with, and how you acted. when you, it was just, it's, it's hard enough living one life, right? Try living too. That's really hard. And I was just like 
coming unravel like a cheap sweater. I, I hated the way I was living. It just felt so phony and not, not fulfilling at all. And then I met this girl. That's the way it always goes, right? How can I describe her to you? Well, super cute would work. I, I saw her and I went, wow. Wow, that girl's amazing. And what I found to be really amazing about her is that she was living with both feet in the light. And she was just authentic. She wasn't living two lives. She really loved God. And she really loved other people. And it was so attractive to me. And I remember saying, God, that's what I want in my life. And if I could like get her too, that would be amazing. And so I started pursuing this girl with everything I had. And we, we ended up going, we were at the same church and I would see her and I would try to sit as close as I could to her. I just started, started pursuing her. So our, our church youth group, our student ministry, was gonna go on a, a retreat to northern Minnesota. Never been there in my life, uh, but they were gonna take this trip in the summertime and these guys invited me to go. And I said, what do you do on those things? Well, we talk about God, we do the campfire stuff, we play basketball and stuff and kayak and fish. And I said, well, I said, is that Debbie girl going? They said, yeah, she's going. I said, sign me up. So the only reason I went, because that Debbie girl was going. And I, and I pursued her all week long. Every opportunity I got, I was next to her. Uh, what I didn't realize was that all week long, God was pursuing me. In fact, he'd been doing that a lot longer than a week. I just got still enough that week to realize he loved me. And for the first time in my life, I heard about God's love. Not that they didn't preach that in the church I grew up in, I just never heard it. But I heard it that week. You see, I, I thought God was mad at me. That he, was, he was disappointed in me, disgusted by me. I didn't know he loved me. And so, you know how you have those moments in your life where you, you, can, you can like redraw every detail of it. And I, I, that's that night in my life, I'm sitting out on the, the banks of, of this lake in northern Minnesota, Got a campfire going. Everybody had gone back to the cabin. I sat out there by myself. And I just started praying. And uh, I put my hands up in the air. I'd never done that in my life. I mean, the church I grew up in, if you raised your hand, they go, you got a question? Why you got your hand up? We, no one did that in our church. But just instinctively, as a broken 17-year-old guy, I said, God, I'm done. I'm just done. I want to surrender to you. I want to put both feet in the light and follow you, Jesus. I want you to be the middle of my life. I want everything to revolve around you. Thank you for loving me. And I, I'm willing to go wherever you send me. And you might say that was the time in my life I moved from whatever to wherever. And I gotta tell you, my life is, I came and described to you the adventures that God has led me on since that night. Now, following Jesus, not always easy. Uh, and my life has not been, you know, super easy, but man, the things I've gotten to do with my life, I mean, the fact that I'm standing up here talking to you guys, that I'm a pastor guy, I mean, my, my old friends at home are still shocked that I'm doing this with my life, but God's grace changes people, and God gives us a passion, and he shows us that we do have a destiny, that we're on this planet to make a difference, that we have been made by him and for him, that we are his masterpiece, created to do good things that he planned for us from the very beginning. And I look around, I see so many people that don't live with a purpose or a destiny or a passion. They just do the same old stuff every day. I meet a lot, I guess I'm just being honest. I meet a lot of bored men. A lot of guys are just bored with life. 
because they do the same old thing every day. You know what I'm talking about. You get up at the same old time, look at the same old face in the same old mirror, you brush the same old teeth, you take the same old shower, put on the same old clothes, go down the same old kitchen, get out the same old bowl, eat the same old oatmeal, kiss the same old wife, get in the same old car, drive the same old way, the same old job, leave at the same old time, sit in the same old traffic, pull in the same old driveway, hug the same old kids, eat the same old dinner, sit in the same old recliner, fall asleep, watching the same old sports center, get up and go to the same old bed, ask the same old wipe the same old question, get the same old answer, roll over, set the alarm on your phone, and get up and do the same old thing over again. And for a lot of people, that's just life. That's their life. I don't know about y'all, but I, I don't want to live same old. I want to do something with my life that'll make a difference. I heard about a group of 95-year-olds that were surveyed. I don't know how they got them all together, but they did. And they asked them this question. If you could do your life all over again, what would you do differently? They responded in four ways. First response was, what was the question? And once they got it, <laughs> here's what they said. They said, if we could do it all over again, we would reflect more, that we'd slow down, we'd soak in more sunsets, and we'd laugh more, and we would eat more ice cream, and we would just live in the moment. We'd be a lot more grateful every day. The second thing they said, we would risk more. We'd take more chances. We wouldn't live by fear. We'd live by faith and we would see life like it's this adventure in which you cannot pick the fruit unless you're way out on a limb somewhere. The third thing they said, if we could do it all over again, we'd do something with our life that would live on long after we're dead and gone. And when I heard that, I thought, I'm not waiting till I'm 95 to say those things. I wanna reflect now. I wanna take some risk now. I wanna do something right now with my life that's gonna live on long after I'm dead and gone. Now, this is the way I think about it. I've taught this out for, for years now. Uh, but but, but I, I know how some of y'all are, because I used to be like this. When, when, like getting in a pool, I know some of y'all are toe dippers, right? You walk the edge of the pool and you go, ooh, that's cold. Right? And then, then it's like your ankle, woo, that's cold. Then your calf, woo, that's cold. Your knees, woo, thighs, woo, woo, all the way in the pool. That's, that's no way to get in a pool. How do you get in a pool? You take a run and start and you tuck up your knees and you do a cannonball and the water goes flying and the ripples go out and hit the side of the pool and they come back in, they go back out and they come back in, they go back out and if you're really big, they come back in and they go back out, they come back in and if the sides of the pool weren't there, the ripples would just keep going and going and going and going and going long after you made your splash. And I think that's what God calls us to do. He says, you're here, you're just here for a little while, jump in. Take a risk, make a splash, and touch somebody's life. Who will touch somebody's life? Who will touch somebody's life? And who will touch somebody's life? And long after you're dead and gone, we will still be feeling the ripples. You know, I never dreamed, like I said, that I'd get to do what I'm doing. Really never dreamed that I would ever be a part of a church plant in Las Vegas. But God called us there, my wife Debbie and I. Oh, I got that Debbie girl, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So my wife, Debbie, and our family, three little kids, we moved to Las Vegas in 1992 to plant a new church. And it was one of the thrills of our life. And we refused, even to this day, to call it Sin City. We always call it the City of Grace. Because the Bible says where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. And it was so cool to see so many people from every, I'm talking every conceivable walk of life, find the amazing grace of God. It was it was. Such a great time in our life. And uh, 
I don't know whether I like, you know, rippled on a lot of people, but I do know like maybe I touched one guy's life. Um, we uh, we uh, started meeting in the Las Vegas YMCA and uh, we, there was a, like an aerobics room on the other side of the gym. There's a curtain that separated the basketball court from this aerobics room and we set up in the aerobics room and uh, we had uh, racquetball courts for kids' classrooms. You imagine teaching three-year-olds in a racquetball court. It was crazy. Sit down, 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 down. It was just nuts. It was just nuts. Uh, but that's what we had. And we had Olympic-sized baptistry, which was really cool. Uh, but we, uh, I, I would play basketball there during the week because I've always been a basketball junkie and played all my life. And so I'd show up and play some pickup games, get to know some guys. Well, our, our team you know, loses one of the pickup games when we stand on the sidelines. This guy walks over to me who's playing also. He goes, hey, uh, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. He goes, my name is Jeff. And he goes, and I want to preface what I'm getting ready to tell you by telling you this. I'm a really smart guy. I have a degree in physics. I own my own business. I make a ton of money. Uh, I was a small college All-American quarterback. He goes, I, I'm one of those guys that's just got it all together. At least that's what people think. But man, I'm living two lives. I, I got a huge gambling problem. I can't stop. He goes, the other night, I went out to my car. I left the casino. I went out to my car, and I started digging through the seat cushions looking for money to see, so I can go back in and play. I lie to my wife all the time. She has no idea what our finances are doing. I'm, just, I'm a mess, and he said, and I've been coming to your church on the other side of the curtain. He goes, I sit in the back, and I just wonder, man, is maybe God's the answer. I said, dude, he is, and make a long story short, we started meeting, and Jeff did when he was 35 what I did when I was 17. He said, okay, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you come into my life, transform me, and God transformed this guy from the inside out, and he's one of the coolest guys I know. So uh, I'm sitting in Vegas one night, my phone rings, and this lady on the other end of the line was from St. Louis, Missouri. I don't know how she got my number to this day. And she goes, do you have a church in Vegas? I said, yes, ma'am, we do. She goes, well, our son is 21 years old. He's a big old football player. He's a big kid. He's got a drinking problem. He's got a gambling problem, and we think he's headed to Vegas. Could you keep an eye out for him? <laughs> 36 million people come to Vegas every year. Keep an eye out for him? You know, I said, yes, ma'am, we will. And I hung up, thought I'll never hear from her again. Hour later, she calls back, said he's in Vegas. Hotel manager found him passed out in the parking lot and put him up for the night. Here's where he's at. Could you guys do something? I said, yes, ma'am, we'll, we'll do something. By the way, do you, you need to know this. 36 million is nothing for God. He pursues you like you're the only person on the planet. He loves you that much. He can find you anywhere because he loves you. So I, I thought, what are we going to do? So I call up Jeff. I go, hey, Jeff, I got a guy for you. He said he's got a gambling problem like you used to have, played football like you used to play, man. Go get him. Jeff goes, I'm on it. So Jeff goes down at 5.30 on a Sunday morning to this little hotel behind the strip, bangs on the door. Gary opens the door. He's a big guy. He's like 6'4", 250, fills the door frame. He's hungover. He's got vomit on his shirt. And Jeff goes, hey, uh, you're Gary, right? Your mom and dad call. I know all about you, man. You play football. I used to play football. You got a gambling problem. I used to have a gambling problem. You got a drinking problem, man. Listen, uh, I'm sorry I'm here so early, but I'm from Canyon Ridge Church. And, and uh, we, we set up at, at 6 o'clock in the morning on Sunday mornings. Everything it takes to do church that comes off the back of a rider truck. And, dude, you're big. You could help. Take a shower, I want you to come to church with me. And Gary goes, excuse me? He goes, yeah, I'm sorry I'm here so early, man. Just take a shower and, and I'll, I'll wait on you. And Gary goes, okay. 
takes a shower, gets in a car with this complete stranger, drives out to Cimarron High School where we were meeting at the time, gets in the back of a rider truck, hands out stacks of chairs to guys, helps set up the chairs in the gymnasium for our worship service, sits in one of those chairs, and that day did what, when he was 21, what Jeff did when he was 35, and what I did when I was 17, and surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. It's such a cool thing. And you know what's, you know what's cool? Is I, I was back there to do their 25th anniversary, and Jeff and Gary were there. And I saw all kinds of people that their lives had rippled on. All kinds of guys. That's just the way it is. It's just a life touches a life. Then a life touches a life. Then that life touches a life. And that life touches a life. And on and on it goes. I think about ripples. I think about my buddy Harold in Kentucky. Harold will tell you himself, he's the biggest redneck I've ever met in my life. Just a good old country boy. He, he, uh, he, he, he'll tell his, tell his story. He'll get up in front of people and go, hey, my name's Harold, and I used to be this old, smelly, filthy trash can of a man. Now I'm a bright, clean, shiny trash can of a man. He just, he's just an awesome guy. And he told me, he goes, oh, bro, he said, I know, I know you've been out there in Sin City and all that stuff, but you ain't never met nobody as far away from God as I've been. I've been in some dark places, and he told me a story. He was right. Oh, my goodness. But to see God transform this guy with his grace was amazing. And so I invited Harold uh, to come up on stage one weekend at our church and invited his whole small group. And they sat on stools. And I didn't know this was going to happen. But Harold was sitting here, and then the other guys were sitting next to him. And I said, Harold, tell, tell us all how it started for you. He looks down to the last stool and goes, Stephen down there. Steve and I, we were fishing buddies. He looked at me one day and said, Harold, you're so screwed up. You, you need Jesus Christ in your life. I'm going to take you to my church, and you're going to get some help. He said, that's how it all started. I said, that's cool. I said, Luke, what about you? He's sitting next to Harold. Luke goes, Harold? I go, really? He goes, yeah, Harold and I, we used to do lines of cocaine together. Now we do lines of scripture together. Ain't that cool? I said, that's so cool, man. I said, Tim, what about you? He goes, Luke? I mean, it was just all the way down the line. It was just one guy who touched another guy's life, who touched another guy's life, who touched another guy's life. And I'm just thinking about some of y'all. You're, you're here because somebody touched your life, even in an indirect way. That's just the way it goes. And it's so cool that, that, that Lake Point is doing the pay it forward initiative right now. In fact, there are stacks of cards out there today on your way out. You can grab some of them and just do some acts of kindness for people and pay it forward. And you know this pay it forward thing? It's not just a one-time initiative, gang. It's a lifestyle. We're created just to touch lives. Wherever we go, whatever occupation we have, our, our agenda is to show up and just be Jesus to people and touch their life. And maybe one day they'll touch somebody's life. Just look for those opportunities. I, I think about ripples. I think about Nanny. Nanny uh, was our 103-year-old grandma, like coolest lady ever met. Uh, when, she turned, <laughs> when she turned 103, she said, you know what? 103 is old. Like 102 wasn't. <laughs> Like, like she finally hit old as 103. She was a trip. And, and, she, and remember, she, she pulled back the sleeve of her little uh, cotton house dress, and uh, she started tapping her watch. And she goes, you know, I bet my mom and my sisters are walking around heaven thinking, where in the world's Ida May? She, sh she should have been here by now. You don't think she went to that other place, do you? I mean, she, she just, she was awesome. So her 100th birthday party, we threw a big bash for her. She got a picture in the paper and stuff like that. And it was so cool to watch all kinds of people stop by the house to say happy birthday to her on her 100th birthday. And you know this about Nanny. Uh, she, she never had a driver's license in her entire life. 
Never went to college, never made much money. She was a widow uh, for like 40 years of that 103 years. Uh, she raised six girls in a house, a little bitty house with one bathroom. That's heroic enough, six girls in one bathroom. And uh, I stood there watching all these people come in to say thank you to this little wrinkled woman in the corner. Most of them had never met her. I thought, man, that's amazing. You know what she did? She said, you know what, I'm not gonna spend my life floating around accidental like, like a feather on a breeze. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pour my life and my love and my faith into those six girls, and that's what she did. And you know what those six girls did? They poured their life and their love and their faith into their three or four kids. You know what their three or four kids have done? They poured their life and their love and their faith into their kids, and hundreds of people stopped by to say thank you to this woman for the ripple she had made in her life. And I got emotional watching it because one of those six girls was a girl named Molly who had this really cute daughter named Debbie <laughs> who changed my life. It's the way it works. Debbie and I have a daughter named Jody, and I hope you get to meet her sometime. She's an incredible uh, Bible teacher, communicator, just a great girl, great leader. She's amazing. When she was a sophomore, uh, uh, junior in high school, her life kind of got off the rails, and she found herself in some situations where it, found it was hard to say no, and she was trying to help people, and, and it, it led her to some dark situations, and she was making bad choices. And I just wanna say this to you parents who have kids. You gotta remember, you can do the best job of parenting you could possibly do. I'm not saying that we did, but you can, but your kids are still fallible human beings with free choice. They can make bad decisions. And so I started praying, God, listen, I can't be with her 24 seven, but you can. And I pray that you would give her discernment in the moment that when she's at a crossroads, she would know what's right from wrong. And I pray that she's your kid, God, so you can just watch over her. I prayed that all the time. The other prayer I prayed, selfishly I prayed, and God, if you could, just make her a lousy liar. And she was a lousy liar. She could not cover her tracks for anything. And we would find out a bunch of stuff and it just all came together. And finally she did what I did when I was 17. And she said, okay, I wanna surrender my life to Jesus. I wanna go wherever he sends me. And she made a bunch of changes in her life. And when she graduated from high school, she said, I don't think I wanna go to college right away. I wanna go back to Haiti. We'd been to Haiti on some short-term mission trips. She goes, I wanna spend the next year working in that medical mission at orphanage just with those kids. I fell in love with those kids. And, you know, I'm her dad. I'm going, well, Jody, you know, short term is one thing, but, you know, you know it's like 3,000 miles from home. It's uh, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, all kinds of political corruption and crime and drug stuff. And, I mean, it's voodoo control. There's, it's just a presence of darkness. You sure you want to do that? She goes, yes, I'm sure. I feel like God wants me to do that. One of the hardest things I've ever done is put my little girl on a plane and go, okay, God, it's your kid. Use her life, and God did amazing things in her life through that year. Uh, we got an email from her one night, and uh, it was hard to communicate with her because she lived in a remote part, and it was, uh, we, we couldn't just call her up. So we got a, an email from her one night that said, tonight was one of the most amazing nights of my life. She goes, I got called out in the middle of the night to deliver a baby. She goes, I'd never delivered a baby. I, I'd been with a nurse one day who delivered a baby, so they thought I was a nurse too, and the real nurse was gone, so they came and got me. She goes, so I walk, through, I walk through the paths and I get to this little hut with a dirt floor and there's this naked screaming lady on the dirt floor of this hut getting ready to have a baby and they're expecting me to deliver it. And I'm thinking, I'm 18 years old. I'm in the middle of nowhere, 3,000 miles away from home and all I got is a flashlight and no clue 
how to do this. So I'll just, God help me remember what I watched the nurse do the other day. And she goes, to make matters worse, a, a lady walks in, a visitor, uh, who was dressed in the red and blue uh, garb that, uh, well, lack of a better term, a voodoo priestess would wear, kind of a witch doctor type person. And Jody says the most evil presence she's felt. And she said, walked into the hut and the woman started freaking out. And she started walking around Jody and this woman chanting something in Creole that Jody couldn't understand, but she knew it wasn't good. And the lady knew it wasn't good. And so she ended up stopping by the woman's head, chanting this thing. And Jody said, I didn't know what to do. I'm, I'm getting ready to deliver this baby. And I'm, I'm, look, this lady is staring a hole through me, this evil glare. And she goes, I, I, I'm, I'm 3,000 miles away from home by myself with a voodoo woman. She goes, I didn't know what to do. So I just looked back, back, back at her. And I started singing. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. She goes, the lady kind of came unglued and ran out of the hut and I delivered the baby and the baby was born with the blessing of God and not some silly curse of darkness. <laughs> I'm reading the email. <laughs> and I'm going, I'm reading it as her dad. I go, what are you doing in a hut with a voodoo woman? You get on a plane tomorrow. We got puppies and ice cream and pizza and fluffy pillows. You need to come home, girl. But you can ask Debbie, my next breath out of my mouth was, wait a ripple, girl. Because gang, who knows whose life that baby she delivered that night is gonna touch, and whose life they're gonna touch, whose life they're gonna touch, whose life they're gonna touch, because one courageous 18-year-old kid said, I'm sick and tired of floating around accidental-like, like a feather on a breeze. I'm gonna put my life in the hands of the destiny maker, and I'm gonna make a difference with my life. Jesus said in Mark 8, 35, only those who are willing to throw away their lives for my sake, do a cannonball, will ever know what it means to really, really live. Can I ask you, don't you wanna really, really live? The choice is yours. I mean, you, you can choose, if you want to, to float around, accidental-like, like a feather on a breeze, or you could put your life in the hands of the destiny maker and make some ripples with your life. And that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I can't help but think there are some people here today that need to do what I did when I was 17 and Jody when she was 17 and Harold when he was 50 and Jeff when he was 35 and Gary when he was 21 and Nanny whenever she did it and lived that fruitful life of making a difference. God, I. I just know there's somebody here today in their heart needs to put their hands up and go, I, I give up. I wanna move from whatever to wherever and God, wherever you wanna send me, I surrender to your leadership. I surrender to your love. I accept the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has done on my behalf. God, I pray that happens in someone's heart today. I know it's gonna happen in someone's heart today, God. Father, thank you for giving us such purpose with our lives. We're only here for a little while and to have this much fun and this much adventure and to, to feel this much impact with your, with your life on a daily basis, God. I, I'm so grateful that you call us to live like this. God, I, I pray that we'd be aware as we leave this place, the people you put in our path that just need a touch from you. God, help us to be bold enough to just love in the way you've called us to love. And I thank you for the ripple effect this church will continue to make. 
And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Thank you.